Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's good to uh, be with you here and now in whatever space you are in. And uh, delighted this morning to introduce you to Julie Barrios. Julie is a, uh, a former pastor, is now a spiritual director and a coach, a consultant, and in this, lives in the San Francisco area. And uh, our community came into contact with Julie through our friend Rana Chisholm, uh, who, uh, yeah, they, they struck up a friendship a number of years back. I think you were saying eight years ago. And um, since then, um, Rana, as if you know Rana, you know she's a great connector of persons. And so she said, Julie, you need to meet Artisan and vice versa. And so really delighted that that connection got made. And Julie has spoken at Artisan twice before. And so some of you uh, may have been around when she has spoken in the past. And she's become a friend to me. And I've really valued um, her wisdom, her listening ear, and her deep wisdom, uh, her, I already said wisdom, um, but your listening ear over the last, even a couple of weeks as we've been preparing for this. So a delight to welcome you, Julie. So thank you for taking this time, for agreeing to, uh, to offer some of your reflections on um, the lectionary text from this week. So um, before you offer any of those reflections, is there anything from your own story you might like to share with our, with our community? Um, might be relevant to us today. Yeah, thanks, Nelson. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, it's always been a joy for me to, to be at Artisan when I'm in the Vancouver area. So it's great to be with you remotely here from San Francisco. I guess that's one of the, maybe <laughs> there are probably not many great things about COVID, but being connected with people at a distance uh, is, is one good thing. Um, yeah, you know, um, this, you know, Nelson and I, you and I have been talking so much about this text over the last few weeks. And um, the thing that stands out to me about my life specifically, when I think about the readings uh, from this week, are that we are witnessing in these readings the expressions of people who are offering a range of emotion that is so large. And um, when I think about myself in that, in my own journey, I can say that most of my life, my range was quite small. And it's actually been a significant part of my own spiritual formation to expand that capacity so that I could fully live into and hopefully more and more and more um, show up wholeheartedly with God and with others. And I think that's what I'm probably most inspired by in reading the text today. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's been, that's been a journey that a lot of our community, I think individuals within it have been on as well and just growing our depth of awareness and uh, emotional maturity. Um, so that, yeah, we can not only fully, more fully live into our own story and our experience of God, but then also offer that sort of space to others. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that's striking me about um, this text is that it, it's, um, I feel like it's flagging for us in many ways, or the series of texts is that they're flagging for us in many ways. Um, what goes right and what might go wrong as we consider the truth of Jesus's words, that it's actually what comes out of our mouths that defile us. 
and um, what goes, let's start with what goes wrong. Um, clearly he, he names um, the, some, some ways that, that what comes out of our mouths is harmful to ourselves and to others. But also I think that there's an interesting thing to consider, which is what have we been told is wrong for us to express that actually is good. And so, you know, right after he, he offers that parable, he has this exchange with this woman where she is showing up incredibly demanding and um, she's, she is, um, she's asking boldly for what she wants. He says no and is dismissive. And she comes right back and comes at him with a new argument. And I just, you know, I, I, I have this memory, um, even like from childhood, where um, this was kind of a Barrios family children trait is that teachers knew us for like trying to make deals. <laughs> and, uh, and we would, we would try, we would try again to, to try to get, get something. And, um, and I think about that, how um, that was something that over time I thought, oh, that's probably a bad quality about me, that, that I would try to make a deal. And, and it was usually said in more of a, um, usually, actually most of the teachers were more kind of tongue in cheek and could somewhat delight in it while acknowledging that maybe there was a, um, something wrong too. But, but it's the time and a place, Julie. The time and a place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I think it, it, it's pointing out, uh, it's highlighting to us that, that all of us have narratives around what we believe we're allowed to express that we've come to believe defiles us if we express it. Mm. And um, that would probably be one of my first questions for anyone who's listening today is what are some of the things that you have developed narrative about expression um, where, where you are tempted to make judgments toward yourself and others around that kind of expression? Um, so I don't know, Nelson, does anything come to mind for you? Like, has this been a part of your journey too? It's interesting. Well, one of the things that I think about in that in, and what's striking me about this text even now is that what are the things that we've been told aren't okay to say to God or to Jesus in particular? Um, and so, I mean, I go right to my journey in the Psalms has been quite formative when I recognize that, oh, there's the theology of the Psalms, maybe this is a thumbnail theology of the Psalms, is there's nothing we can't say, <laughs> almost nothing we can't say to God. Yeah. Not to people, it's in the Psalms. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So um, just having that permission and to notice, yeah, it's, it's um, we're shocked by what Jesus says initially. Yes. Um, and yet there's, the, the story doesn't end there. Um, and it ends with a blessing of her faith and her ability to trust and to keep going after that thing. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely um, uh, something that, this circumstance that she's in is um it's pulling her all of her courage all of her gumption to to boldly ask for what she wants and i i i've seen this in the people i work with my my own directees and i've seen this in my own life for sure that um 
sometimes it's really important to allow people to experience the intensity of how much they desire something um, for the sake of helping them more fully show up as they are with God. And, um, you know, this is a, a difficult text because on the surface, it looks like Jesus is being really mean. Um, I, I'm not convinced of that. I think that there's probably more to it than that. And, um, I, you know, I just, you know, Nelson, you and I have been talking about this, you know, for the last few weeks, but um, I have a 90-year-old grandmother who has dementia. And um, one of her loops of dementia is going to a place of, of a deep feeling of abandonment. And one of the important things that we've realized we have to do as those who care for her is not simply console her, but actually we need to create opportunities for her to take ownership of her agency and her sense of power. And so what that has looked like for us is, is to say things like, when she's like, are you going to leave me? Please don't leave me to say, uh, Grandma, can I stay here tonight? <laughs> Would you let me stay here? So that she can say, yes, of course. And, and taking that, um, taking hold of her own boldness, taking uh, hold of her own power to say yes. And so um, I think of that even in my own life that like on a surface level, does it look like it could be mean that I'm not consoling my grandmother when she's saying, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. But, but what I'm actually doing is, is I'm helping her to, um, to have confidence that um, it's not just that we're going to leave her, not going to leave her because she's in need, but we are not going to leave her because we, we want her. We want to be with her. And we choose to be with her as long as she's okay with us being there. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's such a, I hope that in time that that creates a really healing space in her heart. Yeah. Um, but, but that um, boldly asking, I think, is a really significant theme in this series of texts, as well as, as, well as boldly expressing. Mm. Um, and I'm delineating those two and that, that, you know, Joseph, well, he, he, he does have one request, man. And this was a vulnerable one too. He says, is my father still alive? Oh my gosh. I can't imagine how vulnerable it would be to ask that to the people who are responsible for separating you from him. So he does make a vulnerable ask right there to ask for that information. But mostly what you see with him is that he is boldly expressive in allowing himself to enter into emotional states that uh, that even in our culture now would be um, considered um, confusing or possibly embarrassing or or shameful, and uh, and you see that in. I just imagine his, the feelings inside of him as he's now aware of what's happening in his very court. And 
he starts to feel this emotion bubble up in him. And I, I feel for him in that moment because I, I don't know if any of you have ever been in that situation where you, you feel like I, I'm about to explode with tears or anger or, or some kind of emotion, but I don't want to do it in front of all these people right now. Can I just get out to the parking lot? Can I just um, get to my, my safe zone before that happens? And so, you know, we can, we get this sense that it's bubbling up inside and he dismisses the court. And then that's when he begins to allow this to, to, to come to the surface. And I'm really struck then by the response of his brothers at that moment. I mean, he, he's displaying probably the, the most intense level of vulnerability they've ever witnessed in their life. And their response is to be scared. And I think that's cluing us in to just how powerful vulnerability is when fully expressed. And I'm not talking about just sort of that vulnerability, transparency, where we you know, share something, but it's not emotionally present, but being fully embodied, emotionally present, um, to the actual circumstance or narrative that is that is creating that emotional intensity all at once, that is is power. And so you see very clearly that that Joseph's brothers felt that power, mm. and 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 it scared them. They were they didn't know what to do with it. I um, then also can't help but think too that they were coming there to ask him for, they were coming there to make a request because they were vulnerable. They were, their people were starving, were soon to starve. And um, look at the way that vulnerability and willingness to show up either in expression or in request is actually what brought unity here. Um, these have definitely been the most powerful things I think for me in my life with my friendships and my family in creating a sense of deep connection and intimacy. Um, anything stand out to you, Nelson? That's, yeah, man. That's so good. And I, I love, there's two things I want to pick up or respond to from what you've just been sharing. One is, um, one is maybe just a reflection back. And then the second one is maybe a question that could maybe open up a bit more um, dialogue here. One is just that sense or the, just an awareness of the self narratives that we, <clears throat> that we spin out when it comes to deep emotion in, or, or grief, for example. Um, and one of the ones that I've lived with from, I guess, shorter episodic kind of experiences of grief or loss have been this sense of, I should be over that by now. Um, there, that there's a timeline to, to grief and that's over. Or I think of people who have lost uh, loved ones or that sort of idea and the rest of the world sort of moves on past something. And even COVID now to, to open that question up. Oh, like still it's been four months. Should, shouldn't we be over that initial shock? Well, no, this is, a, this is an ongoing sort of reality. So to give permission to ourselves, to give permission to others, to create space for others. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's just one of what I might imagine could be a number of different narratives that we, things that we tell ourselves and um, the freedom and to think of the divine presence as being one that is there in the form of, in the, in the gospel story of tough love to sort of open that up. And, and I mean, Jesus asks so many times, what do you want? That's, that's often his opening line for us to actually say what we want and express that. Um, yeah. So the question um, that I was wondering about is when you were mentioning um, the importance of the importance of being embodied in uh, in our response to all that's happening, and I we were, we were talking a little bit about racial uh, justice and um, dismantling some systems of the current. Um, in response to the to the current wave of racial injustice that we're seeing in different different places and how many in our community are doing such a beautiful first step and doing some reading and and some discussion around it so that's even a step towards embodiment and we talked a little bit about the importance of yeah a cognitive sort of place is a good it's a good starting point but um sharing a little bit more about how important it is that that gets into a lived and embodied kind of experience you had some lovely observations around that i wonder if you could reiterate those sure yeah um yeah i think the the first thing i'd like to say about that is that um you know emotions are like that that's what we call emotions are actually physical sensations they're just subtle and in order to have difficult conversations of any kind we have to have a certain level of resilience to stay present to the, the discomfort of the emotional state while staying present to the, the new information, what, whatever is the stimulation that is causing this emotional state. And, and one of the things I think I've noticed is there's a lot of temptations right now. Um, there's uh, in, in the way that we go about justice work or difficult conversations around race and ethnicity and power. And one of them is um, to lean in the direction that simply feeling bad is all that matters. That, that, that's mistaken. The other is to think that everything is going to be solved as we change these policies and structures. And, and I think what, what I'm naming here is that, that, that we see in this text is that there is something actually even better than that, which is when people genuinely are able to come back together because there is a new sense of trust that is able to be built because of a depth of acknowledgement and and also a willingness and a capacity to stay present in the discomfort and so i i i want to um you you may notice yourself as you start to engage this conversation um, to want to move uh, too quickly, 
this would be, be my guess with, with, with many, you know, churches who, who already have a heart for this, that, that there's like, okay, well, let's, let's fix this. But, but to slow it down internally and to become really present with the, the different emotional waves that might come. And gosh, Nelson, I think I shared this with you. Um, I, I um, you know, gosh, I mean, being, um, I, I am half Mexican-American, half white American, but with an immigrant grandmother from Germany. So, th so that makes it a little bit more complex too. Um, but I, I, so I, I grew up, with a lot of conversations around race and ethnicity. That was pretty normal in my family. And also my extended family is fairly um, mixed race also <laughs> in lots of directions. So it was really normal for me to have, have holiday gatherings where there were lots of colors at the table mm. um, and, and conversations about race as well. Um, and um, wow, just in the last few months, I feel like I am learning new things that is shaking me to the core. And, um, and it's so good. It's so good. And one of those things was there was a, a special on 60 minutes, which I, I don't know if you guys get that show. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a news magazine and they did a special on, um, the Tulsa massacre, which was this horrific, horrific event where there were many uh, black citizens that were murdered, that homes burnt down, businesses burnt down. It was, an, it was horrific. It was horrific. And I remember in, in, in hearing about what happened, I felt this intensity of emotion started to grow in me. And it was, it was, it was one of those moments, I, maybe it's kind of what Joseph was experiencing, where it's like, oh man, I, like this volcano is about to erupt. I'm, I'm just, I have to decide what to do with this right now. And I felt this, this, just this subtle, gosh, I feel emotional talking about it right now, but just the subtle sense from the spirit that this was worthy of my tears. This is worthy of my, of my cries. It is worthy of whatever discomfort it creates for <laughs> the people around me. Or, um, you know, I happened to be like out on a patio talking to my parents when, when all of it came up. And I thought, oh, the neighbors are going to listen to this. <laughs> you know, this, this woman, you know, wailing on her patio. And I felt the spirit just say, it's worth it. It's worthy. It's worthy of this. And, um, and so I just wept. And I think, I, I think that was one of the first things that struck me from this passage is I used almost the same words that are in the passage about like, like so loud that everybody could hear. Yeah. And, and so I thought, oh, that was one of those moments for me. And um, I'm so grateful for that. But, but more so, I'm so grateful for the liberation that God has done in my own heart in drawing out that presence of being 
that can allow me to, allows my heart to be soft in that way. And I, um, yeah, I, 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 that experience is certainly not the end. Um, and it doesn't fix anything. But there is a practice of grieving and a practice of staying present to um, depth of emotions that I think also prepares us for the moments when it really matters. Hmm. And, and, and not to say the moment that I was in didn't matter, it did. But, um, but I, I look at Joseph in his life and I think of, you know, when we think of his backstory and his, you know, ascent into leadership and then his descent into prison and, you know, back and forth so many times and what he would have had to do to stay emotionally connected in spite of his own trauma, where he could have chosen to just disconnect and cut off and become a fairly robotic human being. He instead um, embraced access to a depth of heart that allowed him to live in that moment when it really mattered. And um, yeah, I'm really inspired by that. Yeah, same here. I mean, yes, it's incredible. We, well, I mean, we have a few minutes left and it's been, I just wanted to reflect back, I think too, like we've said this a number of times since we've been walking through the lectionary, just this observation about how the spirit can take these ancient texts and these ancient stories that, and someone at some point curated these texts together and wove a narrative and just what can emerge from sitting with them and being with them. So to encourage all of us to, um, to be with these scriptures as, as we're able. Um, and Julia really valued what you have offered to us today. And as we come to a place of closing, um, what's your sense? You, is, is there a question you want to leave us with an invitation, a, uh, some sort of a beckoning, uh, a benediction, anything that uh, that's occurring to you? Yeah. I, gosh, I bless Artisan Church with tears for all that is worthy of tears, for anger over all that is worthy of your anger, for ecstasy over the great joys of life and for capacity for boldness and receptivity. Deep breath to receive that, everyone. Mm -hmm. Julie, gratitude to you. Um, much peace to you as well. Thank you for being present with us. And uh, yeah, and for, for offering this immersion into these texts and from sharing from your own experience. Really value it. It's been a gift to us. Thank you again. Thanks, Thank you.